0: Greetings, members, and welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. I'd like to thank the reform members of the channel: Aller's mom Tina Mead, Seven Lutz, Crispin, Tammy Slayton, CAG, Denise S, Samantha Place, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Norma D.W., Christy Elias, Cindy Cleveland.
1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: I'm Patty's niece. If you are new here and enjoying what you are hearing or have been here and haven't done so already, please don't forget to subscribe, like, Share and comment. Not only does it help the channel out, but it also reminds you of every time I upload a video. Please don't forget that every time a video is uploaded to Back to Ashes, it is also uploaded to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Those links can also be found down below. While you're down there, if you'd like to become a member or buy me a coffee as a special thank you, those links are also found there. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and a happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in to get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Backwoods Creepy Stories. I know this is a little out of season, but I've also read the subreddit that we get these stories from. And I do believe Backwoods Creepy Stories might be going away. So, this might be your final chance to hear these stories. If there is an update, I will bring that to you as always. Right after this intro an ad will play, I'll read the first story and ad will play, and after that, there will be no more ads within this video. Disclaimer, the second story will be short, and it also has a backstory in which I will be reading. So, upon listening to it, if you feel like it does not fit in with the backwoods creepy stories, that is why. Anyhow, please Enjoy. There's this place in Port St. Lucie, Florida, that's called the Devil's Tree. You can Google it, but essentially, it's local lore that girls and nuns, there's different versions after it telephoned its way around, were sexually assaulted and hung at this tree in a small forest, as well as satanic rituals being performed at the base of this tree and in the woods as well. They tried to cut down the tree once word got out, But something always happened. They were rained out. Tools stopped working. Tree broke the tools. Insane coincidences every time they tried to take it down. I visited the tree myself twice. During the day, of course. Once with a group of friends, and the other just myself and my other good friend. It's not labeled or anything. Not a tourist attraction. But you know exactly which tree it is when you see it. You can see the attempts to cut and burn the tree down, all the while it looks bigger and healthier than the other trees around it. The first time I visited with my friends, everything was normal up until we got to the actual tree. Then the stench of death hit us all at once. It made us all want to hurl and apparently we weren't the only ones to smell it either an entire nest of vultures were circling the area, about 30 to 50 of them in total. We searched the whole woods for the source of the smell, wanting to make sure there wasn't another murder or anything and couldn't find it for the life of us. The second time I went, it was just me and my one close friend and it was a much calmer, more observant trip. We were hanging out under the tree, reading when we both realized something. We were in complete silence. I mean complete silence, which is incredibly unnerving for a small forest next to a public park in the middle of the day. There was no sound of bugs or squirrels or even the wind. I took a video of it, unsure if I can find it again, but I'll definitely look and update this if I do. Just overall very ominous. Definitely a dark energy in that forest. So, this was a few years ago, but it still makes me feel super weird to even think about it. My husband and I went to explore this creepy, super old house in the middle of the woods of Oregon with three of our friends. We had our fun exploring it, then started to head back, having about a two-mile hike ahead of us. At some point on the way back, I saw this person sitting down and sobbing. He or she had on really baggy clothes and looked very dirty. They had their head in their lap, so I couldn't see a face. I had a very strange feeling and for whatever reason, just kept walking without going over to help or anything. I saw all my friends looking at it, but we're totally silent. We all started walking a bit quicker though. Anyways, we kept walking in total silence and everything just felt weird for a few minutes. Finally, one of our friends says something along the lines of, that guy was really strange. That's where things got really weird. My other friend says, Guy? I just saw a dog. Well, that eventually led us all discussing what we saw. I saw the crying person. One of us saw a dog by itself. One of which saw a man mocking us as we walked by. And the other one saw a sleeping person. I still don't know what to think of it. Bonus. I found the old house we went to. It's called The Witch's Castle and has a disturbing backstory. Here is that story. The Witch's Castle, Portland, Oregon. These old stone ruins in the Oregon wilderness were once bathrooms and are steeped in legends of murder. From tales of murder to bathrooms to the site of high school keggers, the ruins that are now known as The Witch's Castle have lived a number of lives and none of them are very pleasant. In the mid-1800s, well before the structure was built, a man named Danford Balk bought a large portion of land around the area where Portland was still in the process of being developed. It was a big enough area that he had to hire help to clear the area. So, he hired a man named Mortimer Stump, who lived in the cabin on the property with Balk's family of ten. Over time, Stump and Bulk's daughter Anna fell in love and eventually Stump asked Bulk for his Anna's hand in marriage. Bulk refused, resulting in Stump and Anna threatening to elope. Bulk became infuriated and told Stump that he would murder him if they did. The young couple didn't heed the warning and decided to elope in November of 1858. When Bulk learned of the elopement, he became deeply depressed, which led to days of no sleep and of heavy drinking. When the couple returned home to Portland, Bulk quickly remedied the situation as he saw fit. He shot Stump in the face with a double-barreled shotgun while all were aboard the Stark Street Ferry. Bulk was quickly arrested but was able to escape from the wooden jail he was held in. This led to his execution in mid-October of 1859, which became the first legal execution in Oregon. After Balk's death, the property was passed around through different hands down the next century, eventually bequeathed to the city of Portland. In the 1930s, the stone structure that is seen today was built near the site of the Balk homestead. It was maintained by Portland Parks and Recreation and was used as a park ranger station and restrooms for hikers. In 1962, the structure was heavily damaged in a storm and was abandoned. Moss soon covered the stone walls, the roof caved in, and some people graffitied its walls. It was mostly forgotten until the 1980s when local high school students found it was a fun place to hold parties. The students named it the Witch's Castle, despite no connection to witches, and made a tradition of holding gatherings on Friday night, something that still happens today. Something to know before you go. The Witch's House is a slightly difficult half-mile hike from the Upper Macleay parking lot near the Portland Audubon Society or a slightly longer three-quarter mile jaunt starting from the lower Macleay parking lot at Northwest 30th and Upshur. One can take the Aspen Trail to get there. A great way of accessing the trailhead is to walk up on Thurman Street. Not quite hiking, but in August of 2019, I loaded a bunch of camping gear onto my bicycle and spent the better part of the next seven months riding 5,300 miles around the US. I most often preferred to wild camp, so rather than staying in proper campgrounds, I would just find a place to disappear into the woods for the night. In late September, I was wild camping somewhere in rural Montana. I was quite a ways out there, far from the nearest town. I went off into the woods and set up camp. After using the last few minutes of sunlight to eat some dinner, brush my teeth and write in my journal, I lay down to get some sleep. Over the past month or so of sleeping in the woods, I had grown very accustomed to the night sounds in the forest. The chirping of crickets and croaking of toads can be quite loud. There was always at least a slight breeze rustling the leaves of the trees. It was always a highlight of my night, though not particularly uncommon, to hear the distant yips and howls of coyotes, and one night I was very excited to hear two owls, one on either side of my tent, hooting back and forth. So, that one night in Montana, it was quite alarming to be surrounded by a completely silent forest there was not a single sound to be heard. Even the air was dead still, with no breeze to rustle the dry leaves of autumn still clinging to the trees. And it was honestly terrifying. On that night, there would occasionally be the snapping of a twig or some other such sound that normally would be lost in the other commotion. But that night... There was no background noise to mask the few sounds that did pop up. And so, all of these little twig snapping type things seemed a hundred times louder. On that trip, I slept in some very loud places, like the night I pitched my tent right next to some train tracks that ended up being much more active than I thought. I shared a hostel room with a guy who snored and a bunkmate who talked in his sleep, both in the same night. But that night of absolute silence in the woods of Montana was the worst night of sleep in the entire 179-day trip. It was the loudest silence I've ever heard, and that absolutely terrified me. I had hiked in 15 miles to an alpine wilderness and just laid down for the night, when a youngish guy in shorts and no bag pops out and asks me if I have water. I of course shared my water. He immediately said he had been hiking since yesterday. Apparently him and his friend went way back and off trail, skirting some cliffs along the way. Then, he just says half-jokingly, yeah, his brains are everywhere. I laughed half-acidly, but he was sending off a really deadly vibe. Not dangerous, just stone-cold shock. I asked him to clarify that last part and offered him food and a cigarette. I also ordered him to sit down. He didn't want to because he would lose his legs if he sat now, but I explained he needed to sit a while. Long story short, his friend slipped and fell, and when he hit, His head popped and then his body got wedged in a crevice. The guy I was talking to had spent all the previous day hiking around the cliff to find his friend. Then had to hike out of the valley, up the ridge, and down again, all on Taylor's slope-off trail. He was absolutely shredded, skinned, and tore up. He was begging me to come with him and help me get his friend out of the hills. That's the part that really stuck with me. He got up and was about three feet into the bush when I grabbed him gently and said, Hey, I got a phone. We'll see if emergency services works. And somehow it did. And I have zero idea how, technically or otherwise. We were standing in a glacial, cratered alpine lake, 15 miles from the trailhead. I got rescue up there, and man... I was super impressed with their response. Within a few hours, the first group of volunteers were passing my camp. These guys all looked like supermen, and they were. All night afterwards, a constant stream of rescue volunteers. I stayed at camp and made a comfy spot for them to rest on the way down. They had to wait up there in white out conditions for six nights. But rather than leave, they kept a constant vigil over the hiker's dead body. When the weather broke, a chopper flew in and took them all out. I've never been so deeply moved and impressed with that kind of selflessness in something we regard as a hobby or a sport. Words that take away the very dangerous nature of it. Read all these stories and it seems most are deaths by slip and fall. Happens too easy. Don't take the chance with your life. Okay, dear listeners, this next story I'm about to read. The figure that they talk about in this story. I am saving that story for a ghost or paranormal video. Enjoy. Last weekend, my friend and I went hiking in the Catskills near Sundown Forest, FWIW, and found this really creepy statue while fucking around in some caves. It has nails in its eyes and a noose around its neck. Looks like it might be old. I don't think it's been there very long, but it's weird because this cave was way off the trail. Someone had a fire in there not too long ago. The statue really wigged me out, but my buddy decided to take it home with him, even though I told him not to. Everyone says that there's devil worshippers that come out here to sacrifice animals and do their spells and shit, so I didn't want anything to do with this thing. A couple days later, my friend calls me and tells me that he thinks the statue is haunted because it keeps moving from its spot and he keeps smelling weird stuff. Says he can't sleep at night because banging keeps waking him up. Now, last night someone knocked on his door, but no one was there when he opened it. And he's super weirded out. He thinks he has a ghost because of this statue. It might just be a coincidence, but I think he's actually scared. Before we go set this thing on fire, I wanted to see if anyone knows what it is. Anyone ever seen something like this or heard of a statue causing ghosts? So, here's a quick edit. My friend showed up here at like 1130. He's out of his mind scared, never seen him like this before. I'm going to do my best to remember everything he just told me because it was a lot. But long story short, he's sleeping over because something is in his house. We found the statue on Sunday, and like I said, I told him not to take it because it gave me bad vibes, but he took it anyway. He's been an atheist as long as I've known him, so when he told me that something was going on, I thought he was just fucking with me because he knows I like to watch paranormal shows. He always made fun of me for that. It started out just as knocks and bangs, but he said that by Wednesday, he started waking up in the middle of the night feeling like someone was watching him. This kept happening through the week, and every time he'd wake up, he could smell a really strong scent like pond water. He doesn't believe in any of this stuff, so he just ignored it until a few days ago when the statue moved from his desk into his living room. He says that every night since Thursday, it's moved into a different room than where he had left it. He thought it was his dog moving it around because it smelled funny, but... His dog won't go anywhere near it. He says that she's actually peed in the house three nights in a row, and she's never, ever done that. Last night, someone knocked on his door at three in the morning, but when he went to open it, there was no one there. His motion lights weren't on, and there weren't any cars in his driveway. He said that he opened up the door to look outside, and that's when he knew that he made a big mistake, like he just felt like he shouldn't have opened his door. That's why I made this story in the first place. At that point, I didn't have any reason not to believe him because it had gone way beyond a joke and he actually sounded really, really fucking scared on the phone. He kept telling me that he was going to burn the statue because he knows that something followed him home. Anyway, He stayed up all night and then decided to go to the movies to take his mind off of it. When he got home, he said it felt like everything was fine and he decided to finally go to bed. This is where it gets super fucked up. He says that when he woke up, which wasn't until like 10, it was because his dog was barking like crazy. He said the pond water smell was stronger than ever and when he went out into his hallway, He saw all of these muddy footprints everywhere. Not like shoe prints, but bare feet. All of his doors and windows were locked. After someone knocked on his door, he freaked out and made sure everything was locked up. So there's no fucking way anyone could have gotten inside. Sitting in the living room was the fucking statue, which had moved again. And he says that when he started to go near it, He heard someone breathing like his grandpa with the tracheotomy. He pieced the fuck out and now he and his dog are sleeping in my guest room tonight. I've never seen him this scared and he even started crying. I have no fucking idea what to do. I believe him because he has no reason to lie about this because it's way too far to be a joke now. I know that everyone says not to burn it or whatever so what the fuck do we do? He wants me to go to his house to get the statue tomorrow. But I'm too fucking freaked out to take it back to where we found it because I don't want to run into whoever put it there. I grew up in Vietnam. My family is very affluent, so we had just... Ten acres of land all to ourselves. No one else really lived here except a house here and there. Our closest neighbors were three miles away. Our territory wasn't gated except for a smallish brick wall. And we had a ton of street dogs that we adopted that kind of roamed around. I was under strict instructions to never go anywhere past these certain trees that were marked. And once the sunset started, I couldn't go past the West Territory. Now, I want to say that in Vietnam, people are very superstitious. It is not so much whether you believe in ghosts or spirits or the paranormal or not, but whether they can harm you. Whenever I walked past these trees, the dogs would furiously bark, and a few would drag me back by my shirt or even go bark at my family's workers and kind of tell on me. I always assumed that it was because I was very young, so they didn't want me to wander off and get lost. When I was 13, I became more and more interested. My family went to a funeral while the workers still worked, and my grandmother watched me. My grandmother was a very old woman. I was a very sneaky child. I obviously snuck off, and while I was wandering through the woods, I explored I saw pythons, lizards, water monitors, and monkeys. Here's the weird thing. I felt like the whole time these animals were like... kind of leading me to something, if that makes sense. I distinctly remember the first animal that I saw. It was a huge dragonfly. It led me past the marked trees on the east side of my territory. And then... I saw a frog that had really weird texture to it. Very rough, kind of a lizard-like creature. I felt like I was in a trance-like state. An animal transformed into another animal, and I began to come to the realization that these weren't different animals, but the same one transforming. I didn't see it transform, but it could be a monitor lizard, and then it would go past a rock, and the next animal would be a huge python. I should also mention that all of my dogs, we had about 20 of them at the time, were fiercely protective of me and trailed me like shadows. All the workers always said that wherever I walked, a horde of dogs would follow, and when I slept around night, they all slept directly outside my window. However, less and less dogs followed me as I got deeper into the woods. By the time I saw the lizard monitor, I'm pretty sure only a handful were still with me. Most stayed back after the first few trees. I realized it was getting really dark, but the sky looked weird for some reason. I stopped following the animal, which was a monkey at this point, and just turned back. Getting back was a lot more difficult than getting there. When I was following the creature, I feel like the woods were just kind of opening up a trail for me. Like, I didn't trip on any shrubs or vines, and nothing really blocked my way. The way going back, I was convinced the woods completely changed. I wasn't really scared, just a little cold, since I believed I didn't even wander off that far. Eventually, I heard some dogs barking and followed, and I could see my house. Everyone was frantic when I came back. They had about a hundred people searching for me family and our workers, and a few more people like extended family of workers that owed favors to my family. Apparently, I'd been missing for three days, and the husband of one of my aunt's workers went in after me, and he's been missing since then. I got really scared and told my family what happened, and they all went white in the face. We drove to a very popular Buddhist temple, and we got blessed and the monks told my family what they believed happened while I stood outside eavesdropping with my older cousin. Our family has a problem with people going missing. My grandmother's brother said he felt like he was being guided with a hand on his back, and he was stuck between two rocks. His old black dog found him, which is a common belief in Vietnam that all black dogs are very powerful and can scare away spirits which explains why my uncle always picked all black dogs. My grandma's first son was playing in a creek while she traveled a little more downstream to do laundry. And she said it seemed like someone pushed him in and held his head down. And as she tried to run to him, something in the water wrapped around her foot. A villager nearby ran down to save him. The monks gave me a Buddha necklace they blessed and I still wear that necklace to this day. The man that went missing who was looking for me was never found, although my mom told me they did. I believe my aunt paid the wife a large sum of money and bought them a house far away and still sends money regularly. A few days after this, the workers started chopping down trees and a fence was built to run the east side of our territory. And... We started a karaoke bar that now resides there. What do I believe happened? I have many theories, but I think the spirits are upset that my grandmother came into their land and built over it. Before my family cut down trees and built our house there, no one lived there. I think they were upset we were disturbing their peace and quiet. I still don't like going hiking to this day. When I do... It's never a far hike, and I don't let my dog off the leash because I'm terrified. I've held on to this story for the last six years because it sounds crazy, and I got told not to talk about it. Here is that story. I went camping six years ago with a now ex-boyfriend of mine. The campsite we picked was beautiful, we were able to drive in through some rough trails. The spot we picked was next to some hiking trails that weren't very far from some natural hot springs and a huge waterfall. We were in the middle of nowhere, absolutely no one was around. We set up camp next to the car, when hiking, soaked in the hot springs, came back and had dinner. It was all very normal, until we woke up the next day. I need to give you some context as to how we slept that night, so you can understand my confusion. Before we went to sleep, I put our food cooler and a stereo that we brought in the car and locked it. I put the keys in the front pocket of my backpack, and put the backpack next to my sleeping bag on the far side of the tent, away from the door of the tent. My boyfriend at the time slept nearest the door of the tent with a gun next to him. We woke up the next morning, and I felt fine. I had slept hard, and from inside the tent, everything seemed normal. When we got out, our campsite was an absolute chaotic mess. The fire pit we had made was ruined. The cooler had been thrown, and food was scattered all over the place. The stereo was smashed to pieces, laying next to a tree. All the car doors were open, including the trunk. We stood there for a minute in silence, just taking everything in. The woods felt off now. It was quiet and not the beautiful campsite that I saw yesterday. Everything about these woods felt wrong now. My ex accused me of not locking the car the night before and that an animal got into our stuff. I promised that I had in fact locked it and went into the tent to grab the keys for my backpack but they were not there I found them later on the ground right next to the car we quickly threw everything in the trunk and left my boyfriend was quiet and wouldn't talk to me about what had just happened he finally spoke up when we were almost home and told me that he had had a dream the night before about something kneeling over him in the tent holding his gun and just staring at him When I tried to ask him more questions, he got quiet again and said he didn't want to talk about it and that I shouldn't talk about it anymore either. I've tried to forget about it, but I just can't. Something really wrong happened to us in the woods that night. Maybe you can help me out. What do you think made that? Was it human? Was it an animal? Or was it something else? I was eight years old when we first moved into the house on the edge of the forest. My parents had their doubts about buying a house with a backyard bordered by a forest. They had concerns about wild animals getting into our bins or hurting our dogs, and were worried one of us might go too far into the trees and get lost. But it was cheap. My dad liked the seclusion. My mom loved the house itself my siblings and I were excited about playing in the backyard and exploring the forest. Our first sign that something wasn't right was that our dogs were absolutely terrified of the forest. They never went into the forest for any reason. If a toy they'd been playing with found its way past the tree line, they would refuse to retrieve it, and when one of us went in, they would pace anxiously until we returned. On occasion, we noticed the dog staring at a spot in the forest in obvious distress, sometimes growling or barking, but we could never see anything there. My brother once carried one of the dogs into the trees to show her there was nothing scary about it, but she wriggled out of his grip and sprinted into the house in a panic. If we were in the backyard when it was getting dark, we sometimes heard noises like someone was walking through the forest sticks crunching underfoot, branches being pushed aside. If we called out, there was no response, but if we shined a flashlight around, we would occasionally catch a glimpse for a split second of something that we could swear looked like a person walking around in the dark. My parents quickly banned us from entering the forest at all after dark, and even during the day, we weren't allowed to go out of sight of the house. My sister's bedroom window looked out at the backyard and the forest beyond, and she remembers looking out her window one night and seeing a shadowy figure standing right at the edge of the backyard. She said there was something wrong with it, like it wasn't quite standing on the ground, and it was a little too tall to be a person, and it was sort of distorted, and she was convinced it was staring directly at her. She called for our dad, saying there was a man in the yard staring through her window. And when he ran outside to chase off whoever it was, she continued to watch the figure. It didn't move away. But when the light from our dad's flashlight passed over it, it suddenly just wasn't there anymore. We regularly heard knocking at the back door at night, with no one there. Our parents thought it was teenagers playing pranks and stopped bothering even opening the door until one rainy night when the knocking was persistent and agitated. My mom pointed out there might be someone needing shelter from the heavy rain outside. But when she opened the door, not only was there no one there, but there were no wet footprints on the porch. The knocking continued the whole time we lived there. It would happen several times in the span of a few weeks, then sometimes stop for months then start up again. My parents eventually installed a security camera and there was never anyone at the door. The camera wasn't all useless though. About three years into living there, my brother started having night terrors and sleepwalking. When he went sleepwalking, he would always go out the back door and start walking towards the forest. My mom, being a light sleeper, would hear the door open and would run out to get him before he made it into the forest. After the third or fourth time it happened, my brother asked to see the camera footage because he wanted to see how he looked when sleepwalking. I guess thinking it looked funny or something. The footage showed him walking out onto the porch, then pausing as if listening to something, and shaking his head, then reluctantly walking forward as if being pulled or forcefully guided by something one evening my dad was in the backyard and he heard my sister calling him from the forest seemingly in distress thinking she'd gone exploring in the forest and fallen over and hurt herself he ran in and started calling to her but quickly realized it was too dark to see her and he couldn't pinpoint where her voice was coming from he told her to wait where she was until he grabbed a flashlight when he ran back into the house for the flashlight he saw my sister inside, safe and completely unconcerned. At the time, my dad hadn't told us about hearing my sister's voice in the forest. So, when I heard my mom's voice coming from the forest months later, while I was outside with the dogs one evening, I didn't question it, despite the fact I'd seen my mom inside recently, and hadn't noticed her walk past me. My mom was calling to me saying she had gotten her sweater caught on some branches and needed me to come in and help her. As I walked in, the dog started barking, alerting my dad, who saw me walk through the window wandering into the forest. He came outside and called to me, and I said I was just helping mom. He yelled back that mom was inside, and I needed to run back to the house as fast as I could, in which I did. After this, my parents had a fence built around the yard and started looking for a new place. In the meantime, between the fence being built and us moving out, it got way worse. We'd hear knocking at the door more regularly, as well as tapping on the windows, as if someone was walking the perimeter of the house and trying every window. We would often hear scratching and scraping sounds on the fence and voices beyond it. My brother's night terrors got more frequent and one night my mom didn't hear the door open when he went sleepwalking and he woke up standing at the fence, staring into the forest with the dogs barking at him. The last morning we spent there, less than four years after we moved in, we woke up to find the back door fully open and the security camera footage showed it slowly swing open on its own. Since moving out... My brother's sleepwalking has stopped, though he still gets night terrors and he suffers from pretty severe anxiety. A few nights ago, he called me out of the blue, and after a bit of small talk, he asked me if I think the door being opened that final night means whatever was out there finally got in. He was trying to make light of it, saying he was getting into the spirit of Halloween joking about how maybe we should all get exercised just in case something latched onto us all those years ago. But I think he's deeply bothered by everything that happened. I know I still am a little. I still get nervous around dark-wooded areas. I don't know what I think was out there, in the forest behind our house that night, but I get the feeling that, given the chance, it would have swallowed us whole. This happened in early November 2016. I was moving to Philly from Chicago, and my boyfriend had flown in to help me drive across the country. My parents live in Ohio, so after making a pit stop there, we were on our way. Being broke at the time and wanting to save on tolls, we decided to take the toll-free route, which would land us in Philly in about 10 hours. Originally, we were going to leave my parents' place early, but we got distracted and didn't leave until about 4 p.m. Not a big deal. I've driven from Chicago to California, hiked parts of PCT and AT by myself. I was mostly bummed because the sun will be down by the time we'd get to all the pretty foliage in the Smokies. Now, the route we picked essentially had you dipping in and out of West Virginia and Pennsylvania. The parts of West Virginia we would be driving through are home to Mothman appearances. I was pretty excited about it as those stories fascinate me. Living in the city, I don't often get to see a clear night sky. Having road tripped a lot, I knew sometimes more scenic highways would have viewpoint pullovers. So when we were in West Virginia, I told my boyfriend to Google one and see if anything popped up. Sure enough, he found one. Being busy driving, I didn't bother to look at what his GPS showed, and just followed his directions. I thought it was weird that the GPS told us to get off the highway, since normally these vistas are located right on the highway, similar to a rest stop. Whatever. We take the exit and turn down this dimly lit road, and leads us up a smaller mountain base. I find it really strange that there aren't any other cars around, I did see a rusty sign for a scenic lookout and it pointed us down what looked like a service road. The road itself wasn't paved and the only other road leading off of it was gated off. Both of us got a very weird feeling. I turned off the music because it was so creepy quiet and my radio now sounded like I was blasting it from concert speakers. We could hear every leaf my car was crunching under its tires. After going maybe a half a mile down this road, we got way too spooked and said fuck it, and I went to make a three-point turn to get out of there. At this point, the hair on the back of my neck is standing up. We drove maybe 50 feet before we saw a tree laying across the road. We just drove on. Me turning around maybe took two minutes, and as I mentioned earlier... Things were so quiet that we both knew we would have heard a tree fall behind us. Panic started to take over, and something told me we can't just sit there and think long and hard about what to do. So, my boyfriend said he would see if he can lift one side of the tree and move it over. I had my brights on and was scanning the surrounding woods for any signs of movement. I felt eyes on us, but couldn't see anything. The tree didn't appear to be old. It looked pretty fresh, as if someone knocked it over just in front of us. As soon as my boyfriend was out of the car, the first thing I did was tell him I loved him and then locked the doors. I know I'm an asshole. Thankfully, he was able to move the tree, just enough for my car to squeeze through, and as soon as he was back in the car, we gunned it the hell out of there. I'm a very spiritual person and believe that there are things in the woods that we don't always see. My boyfriend, on the other hand, is an atheist. That night, we both agreed that something sinister was out there with us. I grew up in a densely forested rural area in central Virginia. And like most kids my age, 10 at the time of the story, I spent a lot of time playing in and around the woods. My best friend and I had found a creek one day while exploring different deer trails through the woods. This creek we happened on was a very rare find and the perfect spot for us to play. It was wide and deep enough to swim around in and had nice, soft, mossy banks on either side to rest on after we tired ourselves out. The water was cool and clear. No copperheads and no mosquitoes because the water was constantly running. We were psyched. After a few hours of swimming, we had to walk back home for lunch, but made plans to pack lunch the next day so we could have a picnic on the creek banks and spend the whole day there. The next morning, we set out for the woods at around 1 p.m., planning to have a picnic first and swim after. We entered at the same spot we had the previous day, and followed what we thought was the same deer trail. It was not. At the point where we should have found the creek, we walked into a small clearing that was covered in huge, thick ferns. We had definitely never walked past this before, so... Being both hungry and tired of walking, we decided to eat in the clearing. We laughed and played around there for a while, spitting watermelon seeds at each other from our lunch. It was an absolute blast and we were both in wonderful giddy moods. That all changed, however, as soon as we packed up and set back out to find the creek. As we walked on, the woods started to feel darker and colder. And we got skittish, and I noticed my friend kept whipping her head around to look behind us. After about a half hour of walking, we came up on what looked like an entire overgrown bathroom. Sink, toilet, and bathtub, all sitting arranged together and covered in ivy. It's pretty common to find weird shit like this in the middle of the woods, so we just walked on and made jokes to lighten the mood, calling it Bigfoot's Bathroom. After another hour of walking and not seeing anything we recognized, we started to panic. Instead of trying to reach the creek, we were now just trying to find our way back home or out of these woods, at least. I told her we should follow the sun, and eventually we would come up on a road or someone's property where we could find help. She insisted on another way, and we began yelling at each other out of fear and, let's be honest little girl bossiness. I told her if she thought she was so right, she should just go her way, and we would see who got out first. So, we split up. Now, as an adult, I fully acknowledge I was being a stubborn brat, and also an idiot. Worst possible thing we could have done, ever. Not ten minutes after splitting up, I began to hear someone walking maybe one hundred feet behind me thinking it was my friend deciding to go my way after all. I slow down so she can catch up to me. Instead, whatever it was matched my pace. I slow down, it slows down. I stop, it stops. This went on for hours. The whole time I was going back and forth on whether or not it was in my head or there was really someone following me. I picked up a big stick, swung it a few times to make sure it was sturdy, if I had to hit someone, and trucked on. As it began to get dark, I came up on something that made my heart sink into my stomach. It was Bigfoot's bathroom. I had just walked in a huge circle for hours, despite being 100% sure I was following the setting sun, west the entire time. Confused and frustrated, I sat down on the log and just screamed my little heart out while smacking my whoop-ass stick repeatedly onto the ground. As I tried to collect myself, I heard footsteps again, walking up on me from behind. I called out my friend's name as loud as I could. No answer. Then, after a short pause, the steps began to run towards me. I jumped up and booked it as fast as I could in the opposite direction. Now, this is the truly horrifying part which I typically omit while telling people this story. As I was sprinting through the darkening woods, I began to hear what I thought were church bells. I looked up to see the darkest, deepest cloud I have even seen in my life. In the middle, it was so black, it was like looking into the night sky and the dark gray around it seemed to be swirling. It gave me a horrible feeling to look at it, almost like the nausea you get when looking through binoculars too long. What sickened me further is that I realized the sound of the bells were coming through the hole in the cloud. They were deafeningly loud. I mean, really booming out of this thing. When I realized this, I stopped dead in my tracks I felt a sense of absolute and overwhelming dread that has gone unmatched in all my 24 years on this planet. Something in my head began screaming that if I did not run away from whatever the hell that cloud was, no one would ever see me again. I would be gone. I did not want to run towards the thing chasing behind me either. So, I made a sharp right and took off away from both. It was now completely dark, and I was running blind through the woods, smacking through tree branches, wheezing and tripping every few feet for what seemed like another hour. Until I smacked into something low and flew over it, hitting the ground so hard, all of the air in my lungs was knocked out of me. As I lay there trying to recover, I realized I couldn't hear the bells anymore. Then my eyes adjusted more to the dark, and I realized what had just made me go ass over teeth was an old fence. Grabbing a hold of it, I prayed it would lead me to a farm, and sure enough, it did. I walked up over a hill about a mile to the back of the farmhouse, explained what had happened, and the farmer graciously gave me a ride back home. I was covered head to toe in scrapes, oozing blood, and more exhausted than I had ever been in my life but I was finally safe. It was past 9 p.m. when I finally walked through my front door. My friend had gotten back shortly after we split, and I figured I had as well, so I hadn't told anybody I was lost, and my family just figured I was still out after dark, which wasn't uncommon for me. They were shocked when I walked in beat up and crying. Nobody had been looking for me at all. To this day... I wonder how long they would have waited to come find me if I hadn't been lucky enough to find the fence, and if it would have been too late. So, this happened about seven years ago. I was around 19 or 20, and I was a scout leader. We had a camp in a forest. The nearest city was about 10 to 15 minutes drive away. Every year in July, we would have an international scout camp. Scouts from different European countries would join us. I was in the preparations team, and we would go around two to three weeks in advance to clean and put the tents up. In the preparation team, we had around 20 people. 10 to 12 men and the rest women. We were all in our late teens or early 20s. If anyone has been a scout, then you might know that the first thing in a camp is setting up a flag. The flag is an important part of this camping game. Other scouts would constantly try to steal the flag. If they managed to steal, then the lost team would have to go home. This never actually happened. No one was ever sent home. It was just a rule to keep other members involved and willing to protect the flag. Therefore, we had to constantly keep an eye, or a guard team member, near the flag. Other games involved attacking other teams and kidnapping members. All fun and games, nothing violent or harsh. It was fun, and made us be alert at least 24-7. So here is where my creepy story begins. One night, our preparation team was done with everything. The other two countries from Europe, about 60 people, were set to arrive in the morning. We had nothing to do, so we set up a campfire and started singing and talking. We had our guards, people from the team, set up in different locations. Two near the flag, two near the entrance, and two in the woods facing the river. So we were tired and decided to go to sleep. We would change guards every two hours. Each guard had a whistle. If an animal or a person was to come to the camp, they would blow a certain note of a whistle as to alarm danger. That night, I was an hour into sleep when I heard a whistle. We all woke up and ran to the team member who had whistled. She claimed she saw three white figures running fast in the forest near the set of tents. We thought that the morning teams arrived early and sneaked in to steal the flag or kidnap a member. So we all decided to stay awake and go into defense mode. We each stood guard in different locations, watching for any signs. After some time, we started hearing whistles from the deeper parts of the forest. We also started hearing radio sounds from different places. We saw some guys in white shirts running around in the forest. Me and two other people decided to check the empty tent to see if there were people hiding in the empty tents, but couldn't find anyone. Then we started walking around, and we heard a loud laughter from a bush near us. It sounded like a woman laughing, so we started laughing too, as we thought we found the other scout team near the bush. Naturally, we walked to the bush without any hesitation. To my horror, there was no one there. Then we heard more noises from another bush that was a little bit deeper into the woods. Then we heard a clear conversation between a few people speaking French in an accent. We could hear them clearly, so we checked that out again. Nothing. Then we saw a guy in a white t-shirt running fast again in front of us, but his speed was weird. He was running so fast, it looked as if he were sliding. Keep in mind, we were in the woods at night with no light. There's no way someone can run without making a noise. But somehow this guy was running extremely quietly. It really seemed like he was sliding. Again, we still didn't feel threatened. We just had adrenaline rushes, but it was more excitement to catch them than anything else. After all, we just wanted the fun to begin. We were excited to see the teams again and have fun. For the next two or so hours, we kept hearing whistles and whispers in French, but we couldn't find a single person. It was so clear there were a lot of people hiding around us, but we couldn't catch even one of them. They were fast and so sneaky. This is important to mention that the arriving teams were not from France, so it was weird to hear them speak in French. Anyways, after two hours of running in the forest in the dark, I got tired. I didn't take this too seriously, so myself and a couple of my friends went back into our tent to rest. I lay down and after 10 minutes saw a car light speeding towards us. This area is not designed for regular cars to arrive. None of us or other teams had cars. A bus from the nearby city would drop us there and pick us up after the camp was over. We heard a car coming straight towards our tent with high beams on. It was coming so fast that we were frozen expecting it to hit us at any moment. It happened so fast that we couldn't even run. Then suddenly it just stopped right near our tent. We heard the door open but heard no footsteps. Whoever it was just closed the door and left. We were shaking, and at that moment it hit me that it couldn't have been anyone from the other teams. We got out and learned that our other teammates also had seen a Jeep speeding towards our tent, but didn't see anyone coming out of the car. After this, we just decided to stay awake until morning. Throughout the entire night, we kept seeing these white shirt men sliding around us. We couldn't see any faces, they were fast and weird. We could hear loud laughters and French whispers all around our camp. We could tell there were a lot of strangers near the camp who were either messing with us or had plans to hurt us. The sun came up and the strange things stopped. We didn't manage to catch anyone or figure out who they were. In the morning, the other teams arrived. We had this leaderboard meetings every afternoon where we would discuss daily plans and meals. Also, we would share about any planned or failed attacks. All the team leaders said they arrived in the morning, so they weren't even in the country that night. Up to this day, I have no idea who those people were. I have no idea what they wanted or what their plans were. They never attacked or kidnapped anyone in the team. It was scary when I think of it. What would happen if we didn't have guards that night? What would have happened if we were all asleep? At the end of the day, this was a campsite in a wooded area. And woods can be places where cults and crazy people gather. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true backwoods creepy stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time... Please take care of yourselves. I'll be reading to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening. Peace, love, and light to you all.